Dave and Bacon Safety Tales, the only industrial safety podcast that brings you common sense advice on job site safety, standards, regulations, and industry best practices without putting you to sleep. All right, we're back at it again. Welcome to Dave and Bacon Safety Tales. Woo! He made it back. So uh, all those... uh, Good old corny safety videos that you watched when you were in orientation. This isn't that. What's, what's your favorite ones? There's always a, a forklift one. There's always a good forklift one. Yeah. Bloodborne pathogens usually sticks yeah. in there. Yeah. But <laughs> it's never like like it should be. Like bloodborne pathogens. I mean, I, I would love if there, you know somebody literally threw up on the video instead yeah. of just kind of like the makeshift. And if something happens, you know, no. I want to see blood and guts, man. I want to see it all. Yeah, there's never really the great ones, the ones that you kind of doze off on while you're watching. Usually a lockout tagout, maybe. They remind me of, like, when I was in, like, sixth grade. And, you know, like, the the life health safety, you know, when... They came walking in with the television attached to the roller cart and they wheeled it in. They're wheeling it in and, this is Betty and Sue. Betty and Sue to start liking each other. It's literally like I'm not I'm not saying that you should just subject kids to just instant porn or anything like that. But yeah. come on, man. I mean that's uh if you're gonna get people's attention, you better keep it interesting these days. Yep, for sure. I mean people are, you know, think about how much uh, stuff that we consume. I mean, I'll sit there and uh turn off a start watching a show or something and get pissed off and not even make it through the you know the first episode where that's much better than anything we watched from the 80s yep so every week we kind of talk about job site safety and how to keep you safe out there um just trying to keep you awake while doing it so uh and again that's always stuff this needs to be top of mind sometimes we are going to you know, you're going to go, man, haven't these assholes already talked about this? <laughs> right. And yeah, we already, we have. I did. But uh, the whole goal is, you know, over time is if we keep talking about this stuff, eventually maybe something will go off in your head and you go, wait a second. Yeah. And it could be. Why does he have those matches over there? Yeah. I've been <clears throat> tossed into a couple walls head first. So I might yeah. have some CTE. So I might just forget that we already talked about this in what, three episodes. I, et- et- etromalopathy. Cr- Cranial, uh, uh, CTE. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's what I'm, I was traumatic. Trying, it's gotta be I was traumatic. Trying to sound out the the e word the other day. I was never very good. Concussions. At yep. Yeah. So, uh, Fred Redunzo, Dave White with Quad City Safety. Um, Do you know that the, the I was watching a special on that, and I, and I never on really, CTE. Yeah, but see, a lot of people thought that it was um, the brain was actually like hitting something, and it. And it doesn't really hit anything. It's just that it fucking like shape. I thought it hit your skull. I thought that's basically what a concussion was: was that the brain inside not hits really. the wall of your skull really. and bruises it's, your brain. Not really. No. No. They they've changed that that thought process. Well, give me the WebMD document on that if you uh, want at the end of this at the end uh, of this episode. Basically, we'll it's it's no, it's just more like a shaken baby than anything. Okay. It doesn't actually actually hit. Fair enough. All right. Well, we're, hey, this episode, we're going to yeah. start off with Sorry. an interview. Um, somebody that's a fall protection expert. We got two of them that we're milling around. So whoever gets popped into this episode, that's who we're talking to this time. So we'll see how we'll see how it goes. Right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we got a couple options. We're still yeah, trying to figure options. out who's going to slide into this episode. Yeah. There's going to be an interview. It's about slide to get plugged in. in. So Tony, we're going to go to that right now. What is up, Tony? I kind of called Tony Tony Spaghetti, but that's just kind of 
dicking with his last name. It's Ronaldo. And then when I first got in, in this business, I never could remember it. So I'm like, well, he's kind of got an Italian descent, so I just call him Spaghetti with the There aren't many Italians in Iowa or something? No, or no, no. <laughs> Not as much. Just a bunch of... Uh, Jer- there's more worsts and you know right you know that kind of stuff well you're not so. the first one though yeah butcher yeah. my name or well, the last right. <laughs> well, that's kind of how life goes right? right so you know you know tony's with great lakes sales and marketing and you know in 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 this podcast set we can try to explain what a uh, manufacturer's rep is and where they kind of fit into the puzzle but uh, Tony, what kind of what other lines do y'all represent? Uh, we represent Fall Tech, Fall Protection, mm-hmm. um, Bradley Eye Wash, mm-hmm. Certified First Aid, um, and then Blue Water. We're going to talk about Blue Water today. Yeah, right on. So yeah. to name Perfect. a few. Cool, cool. So you know, tell me a little bit about yourself. I mean, sure. I know that you got some kids and all kinds of good yeah, stuff right. going on, but you know, tell us about that. Yeah, born and raised in Chicago, still live there. Haven't got straight too far away from Chicago. So uh have a twenty year old daughter, sixteen year old son, married for twenty five years this year. So Man, good got, for you. Yeah, I got that going. I didn't make it seven. So. <laughs> well I haven't got to twenty five yet. <laughs> <laughs> so There you but, go, you uh, gotta get over that loot. Right, know. right. And uh got into the safety industry in uh nineteen ninety. Wow, nineteen ninety. So, I yeah. mean so that's like people don't realize that was Wild West shit. I yeah. Mean, the industry really hadn't really found its feet yet i mean they, everybody was still trying to figure out a lot of how to say there wasn't a lot of standards and a lot of guidance so yeah that was that right. was a different time right place i started working for a distributor in the chicagoland area mm-hmm. so i uh, just came in and on insights in inside sales and, okay and back then it was kind of like you know if you did well in inside sales your goal was to get outside yep. and Get in the field and make some calls and, you know, the five martini lunches and all yeah, that, yeah, which, yeah. which isn't true. You know? <laughs> but, uh, you know. Five you, martinis at lunch. Yeah, or Woo. maybe two. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, the goal when you were on the inside is always, hey, those outside guys really haven't made. And Then you, know, you figure I, out yeah. that they really Yeah, don't. right. And then you realize they're working 12-hour days and on the weekends and yeah. everyone's screaming at them and all yeah, that. Yeah, every time yeah. you answer your phone, you don't know who's going to be yelling at you. Right. The loudest, yeah. Right. So, uh, started out there and... Uh, progressed on the outside and then I got into the manufacturer side of the business mm-hmm. and been at Great Lakes for 18 years now. So, cool. Yeah. So you got a lot you got a lot of knowledge to share with people. So obviously, Better. you know, being out in the industry for as long as you are, you know, tell me some stories about what what you've seen and, you know, what kind of, you know, motivates you to do what you do. Yeah, and you know, I think we kind of sync up with this and when I saw you started doing these uh these uh, podcasts, it really hit home because of doing fall protection presentations all the time. You know, you have your canned speech. Yeah. And, you know, you can get wrapped up in that. It's, you know, here's here's the ABCs of fall protection. Yeah. Anchor point of body <laughs> work. So it's the same thing, and you do a drop test and what have you. But uh, really, you know, what we try and focus on, and I think, like I said, it syncs up with your, uh, what you're trying to do is, um, you know, we want to get you home for dinner. Yeah. And that's important because yeah. people go away to work and you want them to come home and see their, their family when, they, when they're when they done with the work day. So, you know, that meant didn't mean much when I was younger. Yeah. But as you get older, it really, yeah, know, after it, you, it means After more. you look yeah. at your children, it starts, it starts to resonate. Right. And yeah. they're like, hey, what do you do for a living? And then you, you talk, you kind of use that as, hey, I, I get people home safe. Yeah. And, you know. You know, it's not. I'm selling a respirator. It's, it sounds really cliche yeah. sometimes, right? Um, but it's 
you know, I, I agree with it that people don't realize that, you know, some of the passion and some of the drive really is in just the human factor of, you know, you hear the stories where, you know, somebody retained their vision and it's like, I could never imagine waking up and not seeing my loved ones again. Right. Um, it's, you know, protecting that person that's ignorant and you, you just go, man, trust me, dude, you really don't want to be breathing that, uh, that cement dust in for the next 15 years oh, because sure. it's not going to bode well for you. And sometimes they don't get it. And, you know, again, that's one of the things that we always, you know, try to talk about in here is, is ignorance is not a bad thing. Ignorance is just ignorance. So if we can, if we can at least make somebody aware and educate somebody on something. Oh, right. And we, we really feel like we're, you know, that's the kind of the point of what we try to do. It, you know, not really a story, but just driving here today and driving on the interstate. And we're going to talk a little bit about, passive fall protection but uh you know, i was driving by a big distribution center and mm-hmm. there were folks up on the roof doing work <coughs> and they had you know the pennant flags mm-hmm. going around the perimeter of the roof and i'm like what's going on there is that a yard sale or something <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 so you know that was their their passive fall protection if yeah. you will or their warning line and uh you know you see that kind of stuff all the time and you know being involved with rooftop safety I'm always looking up now before, you know, you yep. kind of drive and you're looking at eye level. But now I've kind of trained him. Somebody on that roof, what are they doing? Yep. Is someone in that JLG, what are they doing? And uh, and kind of lends itself to what we're doing here today. Yeah, so. no doubt. So when you kind of look at uh, some bad things that you've seen in the field that have been eye openers, you know, obviously when you talk about roofs, rooftop there's a whole plethora of things that people are doing wrong right right there but you know what's some recent things where you 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 just kind of saw where it was you know to the naked human eye it doesn't look like anything but it's it's if a trained eye or somebody's paying attention it's complete ignorance and it's going to it's going to end up killing somebody yeah i mean you see it every and i've seen this many times you go to the home depot or the menards on a on a weekend you see the folks driving in the aisles on the cherry pickers yeah and they're wearing a full body harness and they have a little srl attached to the cage and their full their leg straps on their full body harness is <laughs> basically below yeah. their knees not cinched up Pants not, on the ground. yeah exactly and and then you know sometimes the SRL is attached to the proper anchor point on the on yeah. the unit, but sometimes it might be on the the handrail that they lift up and down, or um, or they might be tied off somewhere differently. But that is an example of the guy's wearing a harness to the naked eye, like you're saying. Hey, he's, he's okay, but obviously we know you take a fall on that type of harness and what's going to happen yeah. with the leg straps. Or, Maybe not <laughs> going to kill him, but uh, right. his ability to reproduce is yeah. probably going to be a question. Right, but stuff like that you see, and then it's more almost the real life stuff that you see when you're not working that really is magnified, you feel yeah. what I mean? And yeah. you know, just because we're doing that every day in our job, it seems... We look at it more when we're not doing our job, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's out there. But if that makes any sense, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, just like you, you kind of mentioned. I mean, a lot of these flagging systems, you know, there there's a standard out there that says that ye shall be this, and, right. and there should be tensile strengths of your to pennant flags and right. all, and all this stuff, and. You look up there and it's like I know what the proper stuff is and what it looks like and it's like that's not the proper stuff. Right. So people are just trying to get that check the box stuff. And I see one more of these freaking idiots bend on I mean, every time you see a pennant line you see somebody on the outside of it and you're literally oh, right. like right. How I mean <laughs> Oh yeah. How I mean, 
could you not at least move the you know could you not at least move the pennant line farther out <laughs> yeah. just so I feel better about it? I'm not going to get up there and measure out from the you know from the leading edge to sure. make sure that you're far enough from it. But right, Jesus, that stuff just I mean, it's like why even bother if you're not if you're not going to follow the plan? Why have a plan? Right, exactly. Just go old yeah. west style and shoot it up. <laughs> but yeah, you know right. what we're here kind of to hit today, you know. Um, from the standpoint of walking, working surfaces is, and there's a bunch of stuff in it, but there's a bunch of stuff that's like between now and when your great grandchildren are going to be doing yeah. stuff, you might have to worry about it. But there is, there is some things, you know, as it relates to 1910.26 and kind of the rooftops that people, how to say, aren't paying attention to and don't know. And while, you know, I always sit there and kind of sit there and go, you know, a lot of times it's not like huge beta risk, but, you know, most of life isn't huge beta risk sure. until it happens. And then it's the ramifications that, you know, if we have a fall and we have, you know, a fall from most of the places that you're going to be on a roof is probably going to be a death. So all of a sudden we have... We have the $1.45 million cost, and then we have all the bullshit that, you know, sure. little Tommy's running around kindergarten with no dad and, you know, the psychological events that happen because, you know, it becomes when we get those cataclysmic events, it's oh, yeah. not always about, we don't close the casket and the shit ends. No. It's literally, you know, it's traumatizing to people that are around it. It's traumatizing to, you know, kids that are dealing with it, you know. Nobody wants to see dad in a wheelchair, dad with one eye right. in a patch, you know, maybe maybe Halloween when he can be a pirate and be good that one day, but nobody wants to deal with that stuff. But, you know, tell me a little bit, you know, um, I know that y'all have an audit process. Right. Take, yeah. me, take me through how that, you know, sure. when y'all are, you know, trying to evaluate it, what's, what's some of the stuff that the listeners could, you know, maybe, you know, take away from here is at least a starting place. Right. And, we, you know, you and I, have, we've done fall protection presentations before many times, and we will hopefully in the future. And we always talked about the hierarchy of fall protection. And, mm -hmm. you know, the first thing we always mention, and, you know, sometimes it was just a pie in the sky. We, you know, eliminate the hazard. Yeah. Hey, let's eliminate the hazard. That's a great yep. idea. If we can do that, fantastic. Uh, or try and protect against the hazard mm -hmm. with a passive system. And if you can't do that, then you're going to rely on a personal fall arrest system. So what we want to talk about is, is passive uh, fall protection mm -hmm. with regards like to guardrail. And what we provide at Blue Water is we were able to go up on the roof and do an evaluation of their entire roof. Do they have skylights? Do they have hatches? How do they get on the roof? Who's on the roof? Is it just employees? Is it contractors? I mean, that brings in a whole other deal right there. Break so, that down a little bit. So. Well, so when you're talking about who's accessing, right? I mean, uh, sometimes it'll just be uh, an employee that's familiar with the roof. They know mm -hmm. exactly where the skylights are, for example. They know how to get up there. But if, if you have an HVAC contractor going up there to do service, what have you, um, you know, they might not be as familiar. They may not know where the edge is. There might be a second level mm -hmm. on a roof, for example. So. What we're trying to do with this audit is identify any areas where there are fall hazards. But the reason yeah. I wanted you to dig into okay. that is most people, a lot of times when they look at it, is we know where all that shit's at. Right. And they take right. for granted that, 
Um, you probably ain't an HVAC guy mm-hmm. if you're, you know, if you're a plant manager or whatever. At some point in time, right. you're picking up the phone and calling a dude that's going to show up in the van with a ladder right. and start climbing on shit. Right. And so, I, I guess to just reiterate and hit that point is, dude, it ain't just about you. It's right. literally about them. It's about everybody running around. Right. And you may have a great written fall protection plan within mm. your company, but all of a sudden you have a contractor who's who has four employees. Bubba shows yeah, up on right. his first day that doesn't, you know, right. probably yeah. hasn't read theirs either. And may know? or may not be wearing a hard hat and glove or whatever. So yeah. uh, so you have to, you have you run that risk. So mm-hmm. uh, so what we try and do is we try and look at areas on the roof that where people need to access. Um, and then what we'll do is we'll, we'll do a drawing. We'll show them. I would protect this with a 10-foot section of guardrail, and boom, you don't have to worry. Any, anybody goes up there, that if they're working on that unit that's six feet away from the edge, they're protected. Mm-hmm. And we don't need a spotter up there. We don't need uh, them to tie off or find an anchor point. So you're check. able to produce a drawing? Yeah, typically what we do is um, is we'll go up there, we'll, we'll measure the roof, we'll look at the, the areas, we'll ask some questions. You know, mm-hmm. who's, who's coming up here like we mm-hmm. talked about before? Is it your people? Is it contractors? Who whomever and uh and then we'll we'll present some solutions and then based on that they said yeah that it looks like what we want to do we'll do a drawing so that when they go to install it they'll know this 10 foot section goes here for example and then this six foot section goes here for example so Mm -hmm. uh, and we we work a lot with google earth uh where we can you know even even kind of map it off google looking at google earth and we're even eventually talking about involving some drone technology to, to no look shit. at to look at roofs because obviously when we go up there yeah you know you're at risk yeah i'm at risk it, yeah. I mean, i've never been on first that man room. up though <laughs> yeah. you can do that right, right. so <laughs> so we're looking at ways to do that more effectively and uh you know that's something that's been thrown around where we're not there yet but uh mm-hmm. that would be pretty interesting yeah no and, i mean and, that's cool i, I yeah. hadn't heard that yeah and then you know we talk about how do you get to the roof i mean yeah. most of these roofs have hatches so we go up the hatch, we keep the hatch open, obviously we're on the roof, with that hatch open, yep. that's a that's an opening. That's, that's a, a hole. That's a fall hazard. Yeah. So we get into products, like I, we call it a hatch defender, mm-hmm. and then that would... So there's probably yeah. stuff also out there that people haven't seen. Oh yeah, right, right. Yeah. And skylights, I mean, how often do you hear about a, a worker falling All through a skylight? You know, in the wintertime, maybe snow over the skylight, obviously you don't, can't see everything with the snow on the roof. And uh, someone falls through a skylight. So we, we mm-hmm. look at those. We have skylight defenders that protect those so that if someone were to fall on top no, of it, they're it. not going through. So, uh, yeah, just try and hit all those areas. And, you know, it's, it's a good dialogue up there. You now, know, they're yeah. able to self-install or do, is there yeah, installers that they got? Yeah, great question. I mean, with, this, with the guardrail system, it's counterweighted bases with, okay. with sections of rail. So yeah. that's how we would create the system and those bases are 100 pounds yeah so you know it's a non-penetrating system it, right correct okay. so it's non-penetrating so you don't have to worry about yeah damaging the roof yeah leaking. all of a sudden it's yeah, like right, right. who made the hole in the roof right and the, yeah and that's another reason not to, uh, but i'll answer your question so yeah you can self-install i mean it really yeah. is the the main pr- issue is getting the the bases up on the roof yeah you yeah, know yeah. via crane or, or what have you mm-hmm. uh so yeah i encourage that but some folks just want yeah. the whole turnkey package so but uh you mentioned uh not penetrating the roof and that's a lot of the yeah a lot of times why we get called in because folks can go with an engineered lifeline and you know they could penetrate the roof and you know 
may or well, may you're, not. You're leak. creating yeah. a potential. I mean, you got to re-roof something. I mean, a lot of these buildings. I mean, if the building's big enough to have a hatch and HVAC units or whatever or right. skylights on top, we're not talking about a, you know like a two thousand square foot pole building. We're talking right. some some large geography and then trying to to patch a roof is that. Trust me, I hate roofs. They're a pain in the ass. Oh, for sure, for sure. But yeah, so you have an engineered system that needs to be looked at, you know, once a year, and you have to have someone that's trained on that. So we're yep. taking we're taking some training out of it. We're taking are they wearing their fall protection correctly? Yep. You're taking that out of it. You take you know. So we're the passive way eliminates a lot of issues that you may or not be doing well. So, right. On. Right. Right on. Well, Tony, I appreciate you having the conversation with me today. Uh, guys, if you're out there listening and, you know, your ears perked up and you need to get a hold of us, just reach out on any of our social media stuff. Email us. Um, Tony, you might throw out your email address. Sure. It's uh, T-R-A-N-A-L-L-O at G-L-S-M-I.com. Cool. Well, thanks again. And, guys, thanks for listening. And, Hopefully, we'll keep it interesting. Good to see you, Dad. Thanks. All right. So, we're back. It was a super interesting interview that, with the person that I don't know exactly who it was yet. <laughs> but um, it's going to be good. I know it. Both yeah, options are good. The other one that we have, we're going to use in a later episode. But I'm going to start off talking a little bit about Chicken Little. So, Chicken Little thought that the sky was falling because an acorn out of a tree hit him in the head. And so if Chicken Little would have been wearing a hard hat, maybe he wouldn't have uh, he wouldn't have been hit by the acorn, wouldn't have thought that the sky was falling or realized that it was an acorn. He kind of sounds like he's an idiot. I don't know. Are you drawing an acorn? Yeah. All right. Sorry. Lost. Hieroglyphics. So <clears throat> the sky's not falling, but tools are falling. And well, there's fallen objects. Tape measures are falling and screws are falling. And yeah. So you're seeing, starting to see the word drops. Yep. Or dropped object. And there's like a bunch of different ways this goes. But the reason what's interesting about the reason that you bring up the story of Chicken Little is that's kind of the approach that we've taken. Is, man, shit's falling. So why don't we wear PPE so that when it hits us in the head, we're not damaged instead of just not going from a, from a really more of a little bit of a a better process of looking at and they're going, is there a way that we can keep from dropping that? Right. And so the whole drop. Because we also don't just have heads. We have shoulders that something hits you in the shoulder or you're bent over and something hits you in the back. Yeah. But I mean, like you brought up the tape measure, tape measure that somebody, I mean, I think it's almost every, almost every year, but I think the last one was like in New York on a high rise structure. Somebody dropped a tape measure and took somebody out. I mean, if I go and a tape measure is what hits me in the head and kills me, that I'm going to heaven or hell or purgatory or wherever I'm sitting, I'm going to be pissed. Yeah, that is really going to make me angry as hell that you know I expired because some dumbass dropped a tool. You know, right? I, I didn't go down in a hail of gunfire. I went down no, because somebody hit me with I mean, a one pound tape measure right in the cranium. Yeah, from twenty seven stories up. You know, and it just. And probably had to have a closed casket because it, it crushed blew, me like a pumpkin. My head up, you know? yeah, it was like a smashing pumpkin at the end. So you kind of attended here sometime in the last year a, a training with Ergodyne. Yeah, I mean, that they what, what you're seeing is you know it, it's really um, when you talk about the <clears throat> dropped objects, 
<clears throat> it's it's really I mean the the statistics are you know kind of out there that state that you know there's still some accidents and you know the uh, when we sit there and look at it you know there were in 2014 there were 498 fatalities from being struck by an object or equipment and that was down for 509 in 2013 and so of those 498 fatalities what's that i mean you can even start before that you've got the page one here slipped off but 42,400 struck by falling objects or equipment incidents basically yeah, correct you know but i mean top you know, 10 non-fatal but there's always and some people some people fight this thought but there's a, there's a methodology that says that, you know, you have this triangle and the top, top of the triangle is, is dead bodies. And then the next one, and it's uh, kind of near misses and then recordables. And so if you work up that, they're saying that the more, the more of those things that you have is going to lead to a higher death factor, which, you know, makes logical sense. You know, there's some people in the... There's some safety nerds out there that are going, you know, going against that, which I get that. I, I get that too. But I mean, people are still dying, so we're right. looking at the fact that, you know, we're going from that that uh, forty two thousand, and we're getting into uh, a fatality, and so of that four hundred ninety eight fatalities, where some somebody was struck by an object or equipment. 240 so half of those were caused by a falling object yeah. and falling object you know there's no there's no real definition of what the hell falling object is you know i'm sure it could be you know i'm sure it could be maybe maybe in mining you know a boulder fell off and squished somebody you know so obviously the goal is not to to tether a you know a boulder or whatever yeah. but in there well there was always the urban it was kind of an, i don't even know if it's an urban legend or if it's the truth but it was like if you were on top of the sears tower something like that with a penny and you flipped a penny off the top of the sears tower and it struck somebody in the head that it would kill them instantly i don't know if that's a real I, thing that might be a little too light because the wind resistance i'm not sure I, if that would be. I, I don't know but that was I always the urban legend. so it doesn't to have know. to be big i guess is no it doesn't have to be large at all mm -hmm. i mean i mean really when you you look at a hard hat, the hard hat's not really tested. I can't remember exactly uh, how big the weight is, but I mean, it's they don't drop that weight from, you know, 15 freaking stories. I mean, it's yeah. a number, it's a, it's a little, well, there's a couple different things that they drop to see if it, you know, if it's the glancing blow and then they rate it for penetration, but you're not talking, uh, a lot. Yeah, there was you know a construction that, company we saw that they had like a tube that they set directly over a hard hat and they dropped it through the tube and mm -hmm. like a, a small bolt hit the hard hat. I mean, it drove a hole right through the hard hat. Yeah. So, I mean, well, I mean, gravity is a bitch. Yeah. So, it's it's probably, gravity is not a, not a good thing. Right. So, again, 240 people uh, of those and uh, so you're sitting there going half of the people that are struck by object equipment it's 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 an object from a from a different level and you know there's fatalities every year and the the thing about it is is you know we talk about we we try to take the approach here that you know safety 
you know, safety is more of a human factor. As Jesus Christ, we're people. We should try to do something to go home at the end of the day. But there's still a cost. Yeah. So, you know, if you stack a body up or you have an injury, an injury is $42,000. That's just cost. And, and I mean, that's that's empirical data. Everyone's going to be a little different. Yeah. Because some, some, somebody's going to listen to this podcast and go, man, if I scratch my hand, that's not 42000 That's bullshit. Well, we're not ta- we're talking an average here. But, you know, if you look at the cost for a fatality, you're talking about $1.5 million. I mean, that's, that's uh, let's say it's a smaller construction company. I'm sure that's about enough to shut the doors. Right. You know, so the costs that are, uh, that exist there are crazy. And you look at the fact that there's still 240 fatalities, you know, uh, uh, 240 fatalities, that, that cost of dropped objects is around... Three hundred forty-eight million dollars. So that's that's like uh, winning the lottery only in a bad situation. Yeah, that's from dropping stuff, yeah. knocking stuff over. Like it's like little accidents. Yeah. So so the the, the uh, you know there's there's a lot of people out there really you know <clears throat> pushing this thought process. And one of one of the leaders is Ergodine, and Ergodine's just a brand that you know we represent. There's a lot of you know. You look at most of the fall protection companies. Um, so whether it's DBI, Miller, uh, just about everybody has Selstrom, RTC, uh, Hammerhead. Uh, there's a bunch of them out right. there that have uh, systems in place, which is, you know, things that attach to the tools, lanyards to attach them to somebody, pouches to put said tools in. And, you know, uh, so from a standpoint of, you know, the class that I went through is kind of looking at and trying to learn how to evaluate, you know, what the tool is and then how to attach to the tool so that you can obviously, you know, it's, it's not a perfect science because let's say like a hammer, a hammer is something that's very easy to drop, but if you don't get your attachment point right on the hammer, a hammer becomes really useless if it's tied to your body wrong yeah. and you're trying to work with it. So a lot of it, you got to pay attention to, to what the user, uh, the user is trying to accomplish or, you know, perform with the tool and, and, you know, get to a means there. And sometimes but, it'll ricochet, like something yeah. drops, it hits something else. It goes into a different direction. Well, here, here you go about. is, you know, let's say that the tool, what's the weight of the tool? Because, you know, when you get, when you get something that's, you know, let's say above five pounds and you drop it, you know, over a couple feet. This you're... one, the story I was reading, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but the story that I was reading, like in kind of doing a little bit of research for this was it was 10 feet, a one pound tape measure. He dropped it from 10 feet. It ricocheted off some metal and hit him in the head and killed him from 10 feet. That's a, one pound tape, a one pound tape measure. So it's like. That's not much. I feel like if I was 10 feet away and I threw a tape measure at you, I would not be able to kill you. But evidently, that's probably the case. If it's just dropping a one-pound tape measure, it hits well, you in you the head. You don't know where it struck him. You know, yeah. There's, there's well, a yeah. lot of things, but the whole thing is somebody dropped it, and it didn't have to happen. But I guess, yeah, and to my point 
that's not far. Like if I had somebody working 10 feet above me, I'm like, I could almost jump and grab their shoe. I wouldn't think that an object that they dropped that hit me in the head would require me to wear a hard hat even or fall protect. You know, they're on a ladder 10 feet above me and I'm underneath holding the ladder and they're working with a bunch of tools. You wouldn't think, God, if he drops his screwdriver that's in his yeah, pocket, not, and it hits not, me in the head. It, you don't have that. Uh, I'm looking at a grizzly bear thought process like, why am I, you know, right. you know. You know, a lot of times when, unfortunately, we... Lassie can we, get you, we, too. Yeah, but we allow ourselves to try to decide when we're going to be safe by when we get scared. Yeah. And to your point is, you look at that and you're like, shit, you know, your brain doesn't even comprehend, yeah. you know... Yeah, something could drop, and if it did drop, well, it could not, actually not, hurt well, me. Well, human condition doesn't work that way. Right. I mean, the only reason that we know not to pick up hot shit is because when we were a kid, we walked up and we picked up hot shit and it burnt us, and our brain went... Oh, uh, that okay, sucks. So that's how that works. So I mean, so I'm sure you know it's it's kind of like people with you know PTSD after they go, you go fight a war and they they hear that sound they're like you know their brain associates shit right. and we just don't have you know we don't have that chemistry. We haven't had there. the trauma. We haven't had any trauma or any experience that gives us you know how to say we don't understand what the consequence of where we're at or what we're doing is. Yeah. All right, I, I derailed you on what you were talking about um, in regards to the training. So they, yeah, but you know, one of the re- one of the things to remember is, you know, there's presently not anything that directly says you need to, you know, you're supposed to tether your tools. It's li- it's loosely identified in a couple standards. So it's loosely identified in the construction standard 1926501 section C where there is in quote you know you need to provide protection from falling objects and if you know in steel erection where you're seeing a lot of people climbing and stuff there's in 1926 759 subsection a secure loose items aloft and then comes in the granddaddy of them all which is the general duty clause it basically any person under osha can cite anybody for anything based on the fact that if they look at it and they're pretty sure that you sh- should have had common knowledge or knowledge that 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 could have caused something and I'm pretty sure that they would have a pretty good case against you that let's say we're working on a multi-story building and and we don't have any flooring or decking in there yeah. and somebody drops something or to your case drops you know is running a hammer drill and somebody's holding a ladder under them and they let go of the hammer drill and it you know takes them out i'm pretty sure that they would have a strong case and you're you're you might be able to argue that fine down a little bit but still you've got a dead body and an insurance claim and your name in the paper yeah not the way to get you know sometimes they say there's no such thing good thing as bad bad press press. i believe we're we're, we're we're in a day and age where that's one of you know i mean that's right up there with like doing cocaine with with your three-year-old or something like that you know it's really frowned upon by society you know? <laughs> nobody likes that nobody you, nobody's nobody, gonna be a no, fan nobody signs off and goes you know i guess i could see somebody no you know right. some of it's never mind I'm, yeah I'm, 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 although i mean I'm, I'm pretty sure oj still just had a major big special that that's was on exactly TV. where i was getting ready to go to <laughs> is, it? you know yeah is or Casey the, Peterson or yeah. whatever drowns her babies and she's the hot murderer or something, you know, and she's on the cover oh, of magazines Jesus or whatever. Sick, Allegedly. Sick freaking world we live in. Yep. Are right, you got anything else on that topic? But, I was but no, basically the, the, the whole thing is just, again, paying attention to if, if you need, everybody's got to decide whether there's something in it 
a potential for drops. Yeah. Um, and I'll even go that, you know, the argument that I'll give people is even if you're going to sit there and go, that's not primarily what I'm worried about is, you know, everybody's walking around with tools. Okay. And tools are usually pretty expensive little things. So think about how many people are, you know, I'm pretty sure that if Sears, you know, what, what was their, what's their tool? Set? Craftsman. Craftsman. Think about all the craftsman's wrenches. Those were supposed to be good for life. There should be freaking piles of those things everywhere if they were good for life. Unfortunately, they're not. Right. Because people lose them or break them in, you know, whatever it is. Take, I don't know, take it home with them. But the, I guess one of the arguments is I give people is if you had a tool bag and you tethered everything to the tool bag, you would make sure when somebody came back that they had all their, you know, you wouldn't leave tools. Right. So, you know, the the, the buck to tether that thing, that, you know, $15 tool and the fact that you didn't lose it, uh, maybe maybe you can look at it, you know, I guess. Coming from that direction. Yeah. Was, well, yeah. I mean, I think you have to look at it from uh, multiple standpoints. Some of it is. Well, let's say I'm a, I'm an old boy maintenance, and I got to get in there and work on this machine, and I forgot to take my crescent wrench out with me, and we turned we turned it on, and we completely you know completely trashed that piece of equipment because I forgot to take that out of there. Well, yeah. there you go. I mean, because the beginning of uh, this whole dropped objects is it's it's uh, there's another uh, how to say. Another form of thought, which is FME, foreign material exclusion. Okay. So foreign material exclusion is like, like if you're in like nuke plants and stuff like that, and they want to make sure that you don't leave anything in there. So if you go into a situation, you go into somewhere, everything that you take in has got to be tied on to you somehow. So you at least, if you're going to drop it, you're going to at least be dragging it out behind you. Gotcha. So that, you know, you really, so that there's no way that anything will leave. So there's a lot of different mentalities or processes that you can get to that I think complement the fact that we need to pay attention to the fact that now we're working at heights, we have fall protection for ourselves, but oh, now we have identified that we don't have that death from the guy falling from the top of the structure and hitting and dying. We now have the fact that the guy is on top of the structure and is dropping stuff. So we've got enough data that we've identified that there's a body count on that. Yep. And now we just need to go after that. Okay. And again, understanding what somebody's doing, getting and testing the tethering because again, some people will fight back because if you just, if I just grab your tool and tether it, yeah, it'll be, it'll be in a situation where you can drop it and it won't hit the ground, but it may not, it may hinder somebody doing their job. Yeah. There's a lot of, there's or throw a lot you off balance. Yeah. That can be another thing. Well, that's, that's one of the things that I think I started going to and I lost is you got to watch the amount of weight and shock factor. Yeah. Because you only the human beings only need about twenty pounds of pressure to lose balance. Right. So if you have a if you have a sledgehammer and you drop it four or five feet, you're going to produce a ton of force. Yeah. And if you're at heights, that could be enough to you know to cause you to fall. cause you to lose your you know lose your balance. So so in that case, maybe even like netting or something like that. Well, can be... they they make it now to where. Just like you have cross arm straps and and uh, you, you they have tool tethers that you're not tethering to yourself. Okay. So you just need to make sure that when tools get heavy enough, 
that you know you tether them to a structure or something that's not yep. not you or it's not going to pull you off okay because again that would be a that'd be a sh- real shitty well i dropped my drill and it pulled me off and i've been hanging here right safety director is going to go i called the fire department ah, okay that's good i mean me we and... rescued you and everything but you know that's going to be i'm pretty sure that you're going to have like a pink hard hat on or something <laughs> they're, they're somehow going to decorate you up right so i do think this is a that's a good topic because that's one that i know i don't hear too often of there's a few construction companies well, it's that still, I work it's with still that, new it's yeah, still infancy yeah i mean it's three-ish years into the process which okay. in safety years is like not very long right because <laughs> yeah, it still take, had a peach basket yeah it still take yeah it's literally still peach basket stuff where right. we have one page of rules that you know is kind of on the on the side of the gym that yeah we're you, figuring if you it get out it, if you get the thing into the peach book if you get to, then they haven't cut you know they didn't originally cut the bottom of it out yeah, somebody so had to stand up and, somebody had to stand up the top and pull the basketball out of the peach basket and throw it yeah yep. all right well that all kind of leads me into our our dumbass of the week this week it's the dumbass of the week i got a uh, someone i'm gonna refer to them as bon jovi you got a real Bon Jovi 1980s head of hair on them. Oh, man. So they got the <laughs> hairspray for days. Uh-huh. First off, they're probably a uh, flammable. We talked about an arc flash in one of the last episodes. They're probably a disaster there oh. if they catch it with some sparks. Yeah. But their thing is they don't want to wear their hard hat. How do you put a hard hat on that head of lettuce? I can relate to this a little bit. Sometimes I'll go into a, a call with just my little flow that I got going on, put on a hard hat, and it kind of crams me down. I look like there's an episode of uh, Seinfeld where Jerry gets a bad haircut. Like he's got his normal barber that he goes to, and that guy's out. And so he goes to this other guy for the day, and he's got the flat matted down. I don't know. You've never okay. seen it. Anyway, or when Kramer in the same episode, I think. He's got a bad shower, so he's, the water pressure is no good, and so he doesn't have his big his big poof of flow. But anyways, Bon Jovi. I do miss Kramer. Yeah, he had he had some tough times. No, 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 no. no. I mean, I know that he <laughs> he lost his shit out in California or whatever a couple years ago. But good actor for but, sure. Um, he just the care, just the yeah, yeah. How to say? Yeah, he was the best. But um, anyway, so Bon Jovi here out of the job site gets to work in the morning and he doesn't he doesn't put on his hard hat unless he's told to put on his hard hat so he he could be in some real dicey situations here so luckily for the particular bon jovi that i'm talking about i don't believe he's actually had a, a head injury from something hitting him but he's he's at risk every single day that he doesn't put that thing on and so that kind of becomes a you're not too cool you don't like the way i look in a dorky safety vest or i don't like the to wear a hard hat because I think it makes me look goofy um, or I don't want to wear the safety glasses that my employer or yeah, my employer provides because I want to wear my cool man white Oakley's that actually aren't Z87 rated oh, or something like yeah. that. And so safe is cool, right? Well, I mean, <laughs> a dead body in a 
or you know yeah, you get hit by one of these screws falling from above all because yeah. i don't think your hairspray is going to protect you well even if you had Farrah even Fawcett. if they got in there and you know they they'd probably go in with a little melon baller or whatever yep. and you know by the time you got it all done you you know you have that whole collapsed front corner of your head it's a bad i luck. don't think chicks are going to dig your what's left of your hair yeah if you put on <laughs> mascara it's not going to cover that up yeah so i mean you'd put lipstick on a pig but you can't put cranium back into Right. No, I don't even know. Yeah, you can't use putty to fill in yeah, the gap. Yeah, you can't bondo your head up. <laughs> so Bon Jovi's our dumbass of the week this week. Living apologies to bo- apologies to the ex- the actual Bon Jovi. When we get the transcript of this episode, it's going to have us calling Bon Jovi a dumbass like fifteen times. Ah, but maybe I, he is. I like the, I like the guy. Anyways, let's move on. You're not a Bon Jovi fan. Mm, I mean, how dare you? There there was there was probably a chance in like eighth grade, you know, that I was you know, flowing with living on a prayer or something yeah. like that. But you're in a I don't care. Still to this day, you're in a bar, it's one thirty AM and living on a prayer comes on. <laughs> the whole goddamn place is going nuts. Yeah. yeah, I get it. So all right, moving on to the safety Q and A this week. Question number one, we do all our repairs on first shift. Do we have to have second and third shift employees lock out the machine on their shifts even if they aren't working on said machine? That's a really complicated one, but yes, if a if a, how to say there has to be a custody okay. of if something's locked out and you at the end of the shift, there needs to be a, you know I think we have a blog article out on it. Okay, is you know you kind of have to manage the fact that that machine's still locked out into the next shift, so that you know people are people are aware. Okay. If that makes any sense, sure. Uh, you know there'll be system transfer locks, or how to say, really it gets into if you're if you got multiple shifts and you're locking stuff out, out stuff out like that. You know, having a good lockout policy is not just hey man, we got this damn toolbox with a bunch of red shit in it and, right. and some locks. Is if it's a complicated machine and you got multiple people and multiple shifts, you know, uh, creating a process that. Uh, <clears throat> is safe, right? But identifies going between different shifts. Yeah, there's there's some extra steps that you do need to take. Okay. How about question number two? Can you talk a little bit about <clears throat> the different coatings on different cut resistant gloves and their best uses? So polyurethane, PVC, nitrile, latex. They're all <clears throat> they're all a little bit different, and it really depends on what you're trying to do. You know, so for instance. Let's say that we need the really the best tech, tactile ability, like we're sorting screws or sorting paper clips or something crazy like that. We need real. We need to be something able a little to, sticky. Yeah. Well, we just need to be able to almost feel the part. Well, we, a lot of PU coatings are so thin that you can. It's almost like a, it feels like a second second skin. Yep. So, you know, there's situations where there where that works. But, you know, if, if it's a high abrasion, PU is going to wear out before nitrile might. Um, nitrile is a little bit more chemical resistant than uh, than other ones. Let's say that you want, you're handling glass and there's something that's referred to as bounce as you're handling glass. You might want a natural latex. Okay. Um, let's say that you're, you know, you, you want nitrile, but you need, you need to have a little grip well then they've kind of come up with these hybrids so they'll have uh, a foam nitrile so they'll blow air through it so it breathes a little bit well kind of has a 
suction cups per se or something you know okay. gives it gives it friction so you can get a better grip um let's say you're in really high ass heat and you want silicone you know silicone is in a lot of stuff in your kitchen that you know that you look at and you're, you're always amazed at how high you can get it yeah well get that shit wet and it's slick as hell right so you know a lot of you know there's there's all kinds of different coatings out there but you really need to sit down and figure out what I'm handling and what I'm really trying to achieve before you try to pick out a pick out a coating. Okay. Because let's say that we let's go back to the whole silicone thing. Is you know we I recently I didn't do a good job of asking the customer what what they needed help with, and I thought that they they were doing some uh, work around heat, and there was a uh, silicone coated glove that I thought would work. Well, it turns out, no, there's a, there's a little bit of cutting fluid in it. And once that got on there, it was just slick as shit. So I didn't do a good job. I gave them a glove that matched what I thought what, what their hazard was, but I didn't go through the checklist of making sure that I knew that because had I known that, I, I'm a dumbass for handing them that. Right. Or, you know, suggesting that they use it. So I would say... If, if anybody needs actual help, there's some pretty good charts that are out there uh, that explain yeah. the differences between. Yeah. So if you want to reach out, Fred at Quad City Safety or Dave at Quad City Safety, um, with that question, we can get those charts in your hands so that way you can kind of really help you narrow down the glove that you well, need for it takes, your application. Well, it takes into, you know, I think you were just out uh, on an appointment today where they were, they need, they need cut uh, they need to be able to handle, but they need chemical resistance. So right. that's one where there's two different things going on. There's one one dip that keeps the chemicals out, and then there's a second dip that kind of gives you the ability to hold on to something. Right. So there's hybrid. That's where I'm saying is sometimes the answer is a, a, a hybrid. Cool, cool. All right, third question, finally. Can we use our old MSDS sheets still, or do we need to update them all? You should update everything. I mean... Uh, they're starting to really get into paying attention to this whole, this whole GHS thing is not going to go away. Right. And, you know, spend the money and change your MSDS box to your SDS box. Um, go to the new file layouts because if you just, if you're just doing it to check the box, fuck it, just leave it, leave it how you got it. And then when somebody... When you're trying to figure out what's in something, y'all can read the SDS or the MSDS because MSDSs weren't laid out as well as the new the yeah. new the new form for an SDS is laid out. So once you learn how to read them, you kind of know what's important to you and where to go. So when you go to the PPE or the pictograms on there, you can really quickly look at it there and go, "Oh, this shit will explode," or "I shouldn't put this in my mouth," or you know, whatever that is. Yeah. So you know. What was the question? Should we get rid of all of yes, our old... get rid of the, get rid of all the old stuff. They've got the new SDS sheets. Get them get them housed right. Um, you know, little things like making sure that you're marking secondary containment. So if you're pouring something out of you know the big drum into the little bucket pail, yep, spray bottle, whatever. You know, it's best to start labeling that stuff and yes it's a pain in the ass sometimes but realistically don't get cited for something stupid like that plus that one chance that somebody picks up you know right i don't know like a spray bottle of toluene is like oh i'm gonna spritz my face with this yeah you know? i'm gonna put my bon jovi hair in with this yeah. toluene it looks pretty good yeah 
Fair enough. All right, I got the, I got a segment I'm calling Falling from Grace. So it's always fun to kind of talk about those celebrities that like they had it oh, all, and man. then all of a sudden, pretty much, it's pretty much they had it all, and then they went broke. What what happened? Oh, so, it's, it's it's you think about the amount of money that's been pissed away by you know <clears throat> whether it's actors, athletes, or whoever, musicians. Oh, yep, yep, yep. So the it's, first it's is, literally like. I think if I ever fell into that much money, the first thing, first guy I would hire would be somebody like, man, here's $10 million. Just make sure I don't blow, make sure I don't blow that. Right. Maybe everything else, but. I got a hundred million to play with. It, this 10 million money, goes away. You keep it locked down. You don't let that, me, you don't let me have it. Unless I, that guy's not even on my list, but that's kind of what happened with Allen Iverson, the basketball okay. player, is that there was a Reebok payment in like his shoe contract when they did the whole thing that he wouldn't have access to it until he was 50 years old. And so he was getting like $10 million or $15 million at 50 years old. And he didn't have any access to it before that. And sure enough, in his early forties, all his money's gone. And so now he's just waiting for that Reebok payment to happen. And I could be off on maybe it's 45 years old or whatever, but it don't that matter. was one that they at least put some protection. If I remember, protection. he's got a whole wheelbarrow full of kids, so I'm sure that he, he needs money. Yep. And so he's got something coming, you know, 20 years from now, so he's got to make some money on his name, I'm sure. But other basketball player I had on the list was your boy Antoine Walker from Kentucky. Quad. Yep. $110 million he made in his NBA career. And I'd hear the 30 for 30, I think they did on Broke Athletes. He was the one that, like, would like be hanging out with Michael Jordan and like some of those guys and trying to keep up oh. with them. And someone told a story about he had, they were in Vegas gambling and he had just like stacks of chips sitting in front of him. And Jordan just came over and just like ripped a, you know, $50,000 in chips off of his table and went and just took it to go play with it. Like we all got tons and tons of money. Oh, I'm, just gonna, rich, yeah. I'm just snatching a 20 from you <laughs> and went and did yeah. that. But then he had some investments in like, Four, I think 140 properties that he bought in Las Vegas, and then the big housing crash happened. Oh, that was he lost, good. That was... lost all his money, basically. Yep. So he was the first one on my list. Do you, uh, you have you ever heard of Dave Foley? This is one that you can you'll be able to relate to a little bit. So he was on news radio. Do you remember that show? Yeah. Started news radio. He's one of the kids in the hall. Was when he was on news radio, he was making a million dollars an episode or a million dollars. No something. way, I, dude! It was a crazy amount. Those people in Friends, they made like ten million an episode. So no. he was yes, an episode. I'm pretty sure. No, maybe yeah, maybe I'm way off. Uh, Either way, it was yeah, like twenty episodes I, and like a multi million episode. News radio one. That's a podcast guy, uh, Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan. But he was like a minor player. On no, it. I know, but I'm just saying that there was a lot of talent in that yes phil hartman was on it andy dick was on it and that i don't recognize his name he couldn't have been a million dollars he was the number one he was the star of the show yeah it was was his show at the time kids in the hall i'll probably see him and know who the hell he is maybe canadian guy oh there you go real canadian yeah so he everybody loves canadians yeah so he when he was on the show he had like seventeen thousand dollars a month or something like that was his child support payments so he had to pay because he was making so much money per year and just like mm-hmm. and so then the show ended and he didn't have that money anymore and in Canada they said that the kids were like accustomed to that lifestyle so he had to continue to be making the exact same child support payments and so he ended up leaving Canada he, like he can't go back to Canada cuz he owes like $500,000 in back child support payments so. I might not blame him for that <laughs> right. I mean, so he's got I, I'm just I'm just saying I'm you know I 
take care of your kids, but damn, at some point in time. So my, I mean, what the hell do you need $17,000 a month? To, I'm not even sure what the hell lifestyle that is. Right. So Nick Cage, he's another big one on the list, made obviously hundreds of millions of dollars in his career. But over the years, he purchased uh, a haunted murder mansion. He bought a private island and a collection of shrunken heads. And so the one thing that got me, the crowning achievement of all of this was he spent uh, $275,000 on a 67 million year old Tyrannosaurus Rex skull. So he's kind of into the cult weirdo kind of. For sure. And then come to find out it was stolen. So he had to return oh, he had it. To give it back. He lo- not only did he lose the money, but he had to give the the Tyrannosaurus uh, Rex. I wonder, if the, I wonder if the court gives you visitation rights. Or something. <laughs> you should at least be able, <laughs> be able I paid a quarter of a million dollars for the skull. I should be able to see it. Yeah. And then uh, Hammer. I mean, he's got to be, oh, he's got to be the biggest tale I think tale. I saw something. Isn't he like a minister out in California or something? Though? Yeah, he does like TV, like yeah. Billy Graham. Television. Billy Graham. Television. Yeah, yeah, evangelist. So he had a, he bought a million dollar house and then spent $30 million dollars like upgrading it over the years. Like I'm going to put in a baseball field here and I'm going to put in this and that. He had a staff of $200 that cost $500,000 a month, 17 car garage, 33 seat movie theater. And he owned 19 racehorses, one of which was called dance floor and finished third in the Kentucky Derby. And you know, those horses ain't cheap. No, 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 no. <laughs> right. So they're all a, a million a show, dollars a piece. show horse in the Derby is, you know, I could buy every car I ever wanted for what one derby horse cost it. Right. And the other one that... Of course, he had know. a seven... What did you say? 17-car garage? Right. I mean, he like probably he had what he need, needed. might need two horses. Yeah. So, Thomas Jefferson. Old TJ. Okay. You, know, he, you know, he went broke? So, he had a major I wine. Think he went, I think he went broke a couple times. He, he he was... He was a wino. Yeah, but he was, he was really a weird... I believe it was him. Never mind. Go ahead. Anyways, he bought... A bunch, of framers. He bought... He bought wine, so he would have to get it from Europe because they didn't have the right wine in the United States, and then he would have it shipped in the glass bottles because he was so, um, like, much of a hipster in it. They Usually they send it in barrels, and he would get it in glass bottles because he was paranoid that, like, crooked, mer- crooked like merchants would water it down on the way to get to him. So that's how freaked out he was. He spent about a million dollars a year in wine and went broke that had to be like present day money from his wine yeah it's a million the the article i read said a million dollars a year i don't know if that's that has to be adjusted yeah there's no no way no way way thomas jefferson was just rolling cash well i mean that that would i'm not sure what the multiplier from 17 something now is but (laughs) i mean that would be have to be like a billion or something yep so that's enough uh, I think it's time for us to call it a day. There's a couple Woo! of there's a couple of ball games coming on here pretty soon. Yep. And if I'm gonna start getting the shakes, if I don't get in front of a television here pretty quick. Yeah. So if you could please review us on iTunes, uh, reach out on email, or hit us up on any of our social media. Um, if you can do that, we got a little surprise for you that will get sent coming your way. Some, Somebody some gets swag, surprised. Some candy bacon. We yeah. got some we got some stuff coming Good. your way. Amazing shit. We need you to keep coming back. Uh safety's gotta be something that we're talking about every day, not just the now and then. Um thank you guys really for listening to us. Stop whining to your coworkers about how you wish there was more of us and less of them. We're here. We're on quadcitysafety.com. You can read our blog. We'll be back next week. Um you guys are our safety sidekicks. So safety's got no quitting time. We'll see you later.
Thanks for listening in to Dave and Bacon Safety Tales, brought to you by Quad City Safety. Send us your questions on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter at Quad City Safety. Hashtag Safety Tales. Or email them to Fred at quadcitysafety.com. He's the guy keeping this mess of a show in line. And if you like the show, please rate and review us on iTunes. It's a kick-ass way to show that you care about safety.